This sermon was recorded at the Johnson County Congregation of Redeemer Fellowship, a church that exists to cultivate communities of transformed disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of the city. For more information, visit RedeemerKansasCity.org. Our scripture reading this morning is from John 14, verses 5 through 6. It can be found on the Black Pew Bible in front of you on page 901. That's John 14, starting with verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where, we are, where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. It's really good to see all of you. Um, I'm still trying to get used to only having like two verses of the Bible read instead of 300. I could normally run through my entire sermon in my head while the scripture reading was happening. Um, So now I feel like I'm just up here going. Hey, um, when when I was interviewing uh, at Redeemer, I was told that there were a lot of kids. Um, I think the exact words were, it's like someone kicked an anthill and a bunch of kids came out and they haven't stopped coming out since, uh, which is really true, which means that there are tons of opportunities today to honor and affirm and thank and bless um, moms who do amazing, beautiful, beautiful work um, every single day. And the crazy thing about the work that um, you do so often is that so much of it is unseen. Um, It's like... It happens late at night, it's frustrating, it happens at home. Whether you're stay at home and that's like your full-time job or whether you are working and trying to figure out how to be a mom um, when, when you're at home, it's, it's amazing, beautiful work. Um, but it's, it's deeper than that, it's more than just good work. Moms actually reflect the nature and character of God in a really special way um, by the ways that they're able to cultivate and bring life into existence and strengthen and affirm and bless and send out. All those things are aspects of who God is and what he does um, that women and mom can do in a real, moms can do in a really beautiful, specific way. So thank you uh, for the work that you do. Um, thank you for the gift that you are to your families, to the church. Uh, I hope that you can feel really, really loved and special uh, today. And I also just want to say, like, I, I realize in saying all of that, um, that's actually hard for some of you to hear because of the experiences that you have had being a mom or experiences you had with your mother. I know today can be a really um, complicated day. Uh, at the easiest. So if today feels more complicated or more sorrowful than joyful, um, your father sees you and he loves you and he is with you uh, and we love you also and are thankful for you. So um, everyone, if you're not a mom, blow up a mom that you have in your life. Call your mom today. I should call my mom today. That would probably be a good idea. Why it's nodding really hard. Um, Hey, let's pray and then we are going to get into John 14. Jesus, there's something here um, that is really, really simple and really um, hard to grasp at the same time. You say that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that you show the way to the Father, that you are the true way to the Father, that life is 
in you and overflowing in you. It's not hard to understand, but it is hard for us to experience and grasp and get our heads and our hearts around it. Um, because this isn't, this isn't a task list. It's not a set of things to do. Um, it's, it's reorienting everything in our lives around you. And we're bad at doing that. We need your help. So Jesus, you are the way. You are truth. You are life. Will you help us to see that, to know that, to experience it really fully in all of our hearts today? It's not something that I can do like by myself. I, I need you. I need your spirit. And you promised that you would send your spirit to us. You promised that you would be with us. Uh, so will you open our minds, will you open our hearts, and will you help us to see you, know you, and follow you today? I ask all of this in your name. Amen. For the next few weeks, we're in uh, a series going through John 14 through 16, which is typically known as the farewell discourse. Jesus, uh, on the night before he goes to the cross, is sitting down with his followers, and he's telling them everything that is going to come. Um, he gives them this dynamic and profound teaching, outlining truths that are intended to guard and stabilize their hearts for what's about to come and what's about to happen. Because Jesus knows that trouble is coming. He knows that things are going to be tense, difficult, full of grief, sorrow, and confusion. The disciples' world is about to be rocked. Everything that they thought they could count on is about to fall apart, and their hopes and expectations for what the future was supposed to look like are about to be crushed. And in the middle of all that, Jesus comes to his followers and he tells them, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he promised them that he, in the middle of all of that, would give them Peace as they walk through the coming trials, testing, grief, confusion, and heartache. He begins John 14 by saying, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then later in John 14 and verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled. So the thing that Jesus is promising in the middle of all of these um, uncertain, confusing, crazy times and circumstances is a peace that transcends trouble. And the means that Jesus gave for them uh, to engage their troubled hearts in the midst of crisis and hardship was really simple. He said the way you do this is to believe in God and to believe also in me. And then he breaks that down a little bit further by outlining three truths in John 14, two through three, that they are supposed to embrace, that we are supposed to embrace as we follow him. Look at, down at John 14, verse two. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So the first truth that, God, that, that Jesus tells them is he's going to his father's house. And in his father's house, there is plenty of room for his followers, for his disciples. He's rooting this like stability and peace inside of their hearts in an eternal perspective. 
He's he's casting their vision forward beyond just the immediate circumstances that they are currently in and that they're about to experience by giving them this vision of who God is and the place that he is preparing. And then the the second truth Jesus says is, hey, I'm going to my father's house. Why? To prepare a place for you. He's not just abandoning them. He says, hey, I'm I'm not going to be here, but I'm not abandoning you. I'm actually going to prepare a place for you. In fact, I have to go. I must go to prepare a place for you to gain access to God, to the Father, to this place where you can live in the presence of God forever. And then promise number three that Jesus gives is that he's going to return for his disciples and be with them forever. I'm going to my Father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back so that you will be with me forever. In the middle of everything you're about to experience, you're not abandoned, you're not forsaken. I'm going to give you an eternal peace in the presence of God that's going to be secured through everything Jesus is about to go through the next day in his death and resurrection. And so the disciples are hearing all of this and the night is not going the way that they expected because they're expecting revolution. They're expecting Jesus to come in and secure a place to overthrow the oppressive, corrupt system and government that has been holding them back. He's going to go purge and refine the temple. He's going to replace false, corrupt worship with actual, authentic worship and everything's going to be okay. And then Jesus goes into talking about this, and they just cannot grasp it and comprehend it. It's been an emotionally exhausting week, and Jesus is saying, hey, things are about to actually get really bad, and you shouldn't be surprised by this, verse 4. He says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And that's like the final straw for Thomas. Thomas is the disciple who says the thing that everyone is thinking, but everyone is too afraid to say. He just jumps right in and everyone kind of cringes like, I mean, that's what we were thinking, but I didn't know that we could actually ask that. And he says, hey, Jesus, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what, 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 what way are you going? How are we supposed to get there? What's going on? This is not the plan that I thought that we were, um, that we were following. He, look, at, look at verse 5. Thomas says to him, Lord, we, we don't know the way where you're going. How can we know the way? And the thing is, the disciples should have known. Jesus has been really clear all throughout the Gospels about what's about to happen. He's not coming into Jerusalem to bring some kind of political revolution. He's not going to kick out the Romans. He's not going to remove the corrupt, bought um, Jewish leaders. He's actually going to die. He's actually going to experience death on a cross. But the disciples had these like strong presuppositions, beliefs inside of their hearts that kept them from understanding and embracing the reality of what Jesus was about to do. Jesus is following the will of his father all the way to a Roman cross for the salvation of his people and the renewal of the entire world. But the disciples could not understand it. Their vision was too small. Their perspective was too limited. And I love how Jesus responds to Thomas. Because if I'm Jesus, I'm really exasperated. I've spent three years telling you about what's about to happen, and you guys still do not get it. I, 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 mom's up. This is a Mother's Day illustration because it's about kids. Um, do you ever feel like you've said the same thing to your kid 
over and over and over and over and over again, and they still don't get it. It's like, hey, buddy, we're not, we're not going to go get ice cream today. He's like, cool. So are we going to get ice cream now or later? It's like, no, we're not, go- no, we're not doing that today. Okay, but we're, go- but we're going to go get donuts later today, right? It's like we, we have this thing in our heart where um, sometimes we just cannot hear what is going on, and that's been Jesus' reality reality with his disciples for three years. But instead of lashing out in anger, instead of getting really frustrated and being like, oh my gosh, Thomas, I can't believe you haven't gotten it yet. Jesus responds to him by saying this. He says, hey, Thomas, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so although Jesus is speaking to his disciples, um, these words are for us Two, these words are for anyone who would follow Jesus in their life, who would say, yes, I believe that Jesus, you have the words of truth. I want to follow you. And yet there are things in our lives that just are so hard to make sense of. Like we experience trouble. Maybe we're not in the like overt crisis like the disciples were about to go through where their entire world is about to be rocked. But some of you have been through things like that. Some of you have gone through things so confusing or shocking or hard or difficult or disorienting that you have no idea like what weighs up and what weighs down. And so Jesus is speaking to all of us because he knows that the world that we live in isn't the way that it's supposed to be. It's full of pain, it's full of trouble, it's full of sorrow. And the same words that he spoke to them, saying, hey, how do you make it through that? Well, Jesus says, I'm the way that you make it through that. I'm the truth, and I am the life. And so Jesus makes it really easy for me today. He gives three points, and so we're going to look at each one of these statements individually. What does it mean that Jesus is the way? What does it mean that Jesus is the truth? And what does it mean that Jesus is the life? So let's look at uh, Jesus' claim that he is the way first Um, This is the sixth I am statement in the book of John where Jesus is progressively revealing who he is to the people who are following him and to the people who are reading um, the pages. And when Jesus says, hey, I am the way, that's actually a really loaded statement because the first thing that Jesus is saying is that he is the sole and exclusive way to approach the Father. He's the only way to come to God. He's the unique access point through which the power of salvation and grace can be experienced in the world, which comes through faith in Jesus alone. And Jesus says it's going to be through his cross that he prepares the way. He removes every obstacle that stands in the way of relating to the Father. He takes the sin of the world upon himself. He becomes this sacrifice for sin in order that all who believe in him might experience God's saving power and life. And by the way, Jesus, Jesus is not saying that he's showing a way to the Father or that he would teach us a way. He's saying that I alone am the way. Thomas wanted a map. Thomas wanted a list of things to do. Thomas wanted a plan. And what Jesus says is, hey, the way is actually a person. I am the way. Do you believe this? Do you believe in me? He's saying, I'm the only way to the Father. And it's through faith in me, 
trusting in me, looking at me, that you can experience that life and that peace that I am talking about. And within a few months of Jesus' death, his disciples are saying the same thing everywhere. Uh, Peter in Jerusalem, um, a, f- a few months after Jesus died, is out talking to thousands of people, declaring the truth that Jesus is the only way to experience salvation. This is Acts 4, 11 through 12. Peter is preaching. He says, hey, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. He's talking to religious leaders, Pharisees, political officials, the builders. They're the ones who built everything, which has become the cornerstone. Jesus has become the cornerstone. And he says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus says, do you want to know the Father? Do you want to come to the Father? The way to do that is through me, by holding fast to me, by setting your eyes upon me. But Jesus is talking about more than just exclusivity or more than just um, one way. Because throughout the Bible, the idea of a way had to do with relating to God. How do you live a life that is aligned with the reality of who God is? How are you supposed to make your way through the world and walk in accordance with God? The Old Testament talks about that as a way. Listen to these um, few verses from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 5.33. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel. He says, You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you. Psalm 67, one through two, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. So for thousands of years, God's people had fixated on this way. How do you come to God? You walk in the way. You follow his commandments. You do what he tells you to do. You live your life in accordance with the reality of who God is. And Jesus, in, in three words, reorients thousands of years of religious practice. What's the way? The way isn't this code of conduct or this set of rules to follow. Jesus says, I'm the way. How do you live in accordance with who God is? How do you experience blessing and nearness and closeness to God? It's through Jesus. He's reorienting everything around himself. And the thing about John is that John is always talking to insiders and outsiders. He's always talking to um, the people who had the Bible, who grew up memorizing the scriptures, who were walking and observing the law really closely. And he also has this uh, outside audience who've never seen the Bible before, who've never read the Bible before, and he's reorienting everything in their lives around Jesus also. Because in the broader Greco-Roman culture, they were also obsessed with finding the way. How do you live the good life? How do you achieve glory? How do you achieve honor? How do you live a life that is in accordance with the reality of the universe? The way they talked about that was finding the right way that you should go. And so Jesus doesn't just reorient Old Testament religion. Jesus actually reorients all the questions that the culture around them was asking also by saying, hey, do you want to know the way? Do you want to know the way to glory, to honor, to immortality? I am the way. 
The way that you find that for anyone is through me. Do you want to find true life? I am the way. And he's not saying, hey, you should act like I act. He's saying, no, the way is a person. Jesus, the eternal word of God, made flesh, reorients the way to God and the way to life through himself. So Thomas, what is the way? The way is Jesus himself. The way is a person. And if we want peace for our troubled hearts, we look to Jesus, not just to a set of things or a list of possessions that are going to make our hearts okay. We look always only to Jesus who gives us access to the Father, brings us back to the place that we were created for, and then lays out a way to follow him. But Jesus doesn't just end there at saying that he is the way. He also goes on to say, I am the truth. Um, and, and this second statement helps to illustrate or explain more what Jesus meant when he says that he is the way. Not only is Jesus Christ the sole and exclusive way to the presence of the Father because of his perfect work, he is the only way to God because he himself is truth. Jesus is saying, hey, truth is not ultimately a set of propositions or philosophies. Truth is a person. Do you want to know what's ultimately real? The way that things really are, Jesus is saying, I am that. He, Jesus is the full embodiment of ultimate truth, which in the Bible belongs to God alone. Who, who has truth? God has truth. So um, he is the truth, Jesus is saying, because he is himself God. And so the Christian understanding of who God is isn't just that God is some first cause who started everything, who made everything, and then just set everything up to go along after that. God, God is the full embodiment of truth that is manifested in a person. Jesus Christ, God incarnate. And because of this, if you want to know what God looks like or is like, you look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the full essence of God, his purpose, his person, his character, his thoughts. And John begins his gospel by saying this. And in John 1, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, Jesus, he has made him known. Jesus is the perfect image of God. If you want to know who God is or what God is like, you look at Jesus. Hebrews 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed to be the heir of all things, through whom his son, he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God 
and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so Jesus isn't just saying that, um, hey, I, I say true things, or I teach truth, or I can show you what truth is. He's saying, I, I myself am truth. He's the standard of what's true because he is God. And so every single aspect of Jesus' life puts God on display. God becomes a person in Jesus so that we can see and understand and experience him. That's why Jesus became a man, was so that we could actually know and see who God is. A theologian um, named Hans Urs von Balthasar, which he cannot say that without sounding horrible or just really ridiculous and pretentious, but this is a great quote. Hans says, anyone contemplating the life of Jesus needs to be newly and more deeply aware every day that something impossible, something scandalous has occurred. That God in his absolute being has resolved to manifest himself in human life and he is in a position to make that resolve possible. He can do what he says he's going to do. John Owen, the word was made flesh, not by any change of his own nature or essence, not by a transubstantiation of the divine nature into the human, not by ceasing to be what he was, but by becoming what he was not and taking our nature to his own to be his own, whereby he dwelt among us. So Jesus says, do you want to see God? Do you want to know who God is? You look at me. You find the truth embodied in me. If you want to see the Father, you look at me. Jesus means that he and his Father share one essence and that he's the perfect embodiment of God's nature in his life. To see Jesus is to see God in the flesh. To watch Jesus heal, to hear him speak, to experience his heart is to see and to know God. Which is why Jesus says, if you'd known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. And so if you're looking for truth, or even if that's not the way that you think about it. When I was in college, um, I was moody and angsty. Um, I'm less so now, but I'm still a little bit that way. I would go on walks like almost every single night, just really frustrated because I didn't know who I was and I didn't know like what the point was um, in life or in the world. And so I, I remember walking around my college campus only almost every single night just being like, hey, what's the, what's the point of all of this? Like, what, what does it mean to experience reality? What, what, what is actually real? How do I know what's worthwhile? How do I know what's worth giving my life to? What's worth going after? And Jesus comes to that heart, that desire to live a life in accordance with the way that things really are. And he says, hey, do you want to do that? You do that through me. You do that because... I'm the way to the Father. You do that because I am truth. And if Jesus is the way, if Jesus is the truth, then he says that also means that in me you will experience real life because I am the life. 
This third statement, Jesus declares he's the only exclusive way to God through, through his person, through his work, and life alone is in him because life alone is in God. And there is no other way to experience real, true, lasting life outside the person of Jesus. And we all have an idea of what life looks like, right? We all have an idea of what the ideal life looks like. It's full, it's vibrant, it's active, it's accomplished, it's always moving up into the right. Maybe it looks a little different or feels a little bit different inside of your own heart, but we live in a culture, in a society, in a world which is always projecting on us and telling us what we should expect when we experience a good life, what it should be like. And we see this everywhere. Like, think about um, heartburn medication commercials on TV. Like before, this, this guy doubled over in pain. He has a horrible life. Everything is dark. Everything is gloomy. But as soon as he takes this pill, the colors get really bright and the music gets really happy and upbeat and he's smiling and he's happy and he's playing with his kids and the, everything is peaceful and his grass is green and there is delicious food on the grill. And we kind of laughing like, yeah, right. Like heartburn could like, curing your heartburn could give you all of that. But... What it's doing is giving us a picture of what we should expect and what we should anticipate when we experience life, which forms us in really, really deep ways. We all have this picture of what life should be like. We all have this like feeling inside of our gut that we're not quite experiencing what we were made for. Our life isn't quite lined up with what we want it to be. And so we open up Instagram or social media or whatever, and we get more blips and visions of what a good curated life is supposed to be like, and we're happy for a little bit, and then we go back to our real lives and we wonder, man, is, is this it? Is this everything? And the problem with all of that, the problem with curated visions and marketing and medium, uh, media is the solutions are too shallow. Like, we, we cannot, through things or stuff, fix what's gone wrong inside of us or experience the real life that Jesus created us and calls us into, which is really different than the American Western consumeristic vision of what life is or the good life is. Because Jesus knows and recognizes that life is often full of sorrow. Life is hard. Life is confusing. And in these last chapters in John's gospel, he's recognizing really explicitly that grief and sorrow are coming for his followers and they're coming for all of us. And so Jesus says, in the middle of all of that, you can actually find and have and experience real life where? In me. Because I'm the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Throughout John's gospel, this concept of life or eternal life is grounded really explicitly in relationship with God. 
When Jesus is talking about life, he's not just talking about hearts beating or going about our, uh, our everyday endeavors. When he talks about eternal life, actually, he's not just talking about living and existing uh, forever. Jesus says that to be truly alive in the way that we were created is only found through communion with and relationship with God. Because God is life. Listen to what Jesus is going to say uh, in his prayer in John 17. Jesus says, this is eternal life that they, the disciples, us, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so I want to ask you, do you have the kind of life that Jesus is talking about? A life that has peace in the middle of troubles. When things are confusing, when you're up late at night, when you feel that sorrow, when you feel um, just the boredom, maybe, of life. Do you know what Jesus is talking about when he says that to have life is to know God and to know God is to have life. And my hunch is probably a lot of us don't because I don't. I don't experience that a lot of times. My heart gets really troubled and I lay awake at night trying to figure out what's gonna happen or what I'm going to do. And this kind of peace that Jesus promises um, is not the first thing that I experience or that I go to. And Eugene Peterson in his book, The Jesus Way, says that this is true for many of us because we in the church have a tendency to embrace the truth of Jesus. We'll talk about who Jesus is. We will try to get our doctrine and our theology really, really tight. But then we neglect to follow in the ways of Jesus, which is what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means to literally follow a master around, to walk in the ways that he walked. And so Peterson says, I'm interested in the ways that Jesus leads because they're necessarily the ways by which I follow. The way, the truth, and the life all hang together. You can't have one without the other two. Why? Because they are all found in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed and about to be crucified, knowing what his followers were about to go through, does not give them a plan. Instead, he gives them a person. He gives them himself. He says, if you hold fast to me, if you come to me, if you embrace the truth of who I am, you will have the life that the Father offers. Because in Jesus is found the full measure of all of God's purposes, his blessings, his favor, and the experience of his life forever, for all eternity. Jesus will one day bring every area of creation under the experience of the life of God. And he is, he's saying, the only one who can do it. So no matter where you find yourself today, look to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Grab hold of Jesus, even when it's really confusing. Why, why do I say that? Because Jesus' words were seemingly disproven t- less than 24 hours later, right? 
Jesus is giving this huge teaching to his followers and to his disciples saying, hey, I'm the way. If you, if, if you follow me, like th- things are gonna be okay. You'll come to the Father. I'm the truth. I show you who God is uh, and you'll give, get life through me. What, how'd that work out for him? Less than 24 hours later, his way led to his betrayal by a close friend, death on a Roman cross, humiliation in front of his friends, family, and the most powerful people in his nation. His truth was drowned out by lies and slander as his enemies came forward and straight up lied about who he was and said that he was going to do. The truth, rather than winning out in the end, seemed to die with Jesus that day, and his life ended. And so think about how confusing that must have been for his followers, for the disciples. Think about how confusing it is for you when things aren't working out the way that you expect. But this is the gospel that we proclaim. It's the central hinge of Christianity that the way of the cross is actually the way of glory. Because the cross doesn't have the final word or the final say. God does. And God's word is vindication and raising Jesus from the dead and offering the same resurrection life to all who follow him. Jesus' truth is vindicated through the resurrection. His life is restored and renewed for the resurrection, which tells us that the lie can never overcome the truth. Death, through the power of God, cannot overcome life because he is a God of life who is going to put an end to sin and death forever. And so Jesus' words to us in the middle of whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, whatever it is you're going through right now is, hey, because Jesus lives, we also live. Because Jesus was faithful to the Father in all of his ways, we have reconciliation and salvation and life in him, which is true, which brings you into what you were made to be, which is living in relationship with God, which is experiencing real, lasting life forever. And so really all I want to invite all of us to is believe that. Jesus will give us things to do later on, but he doesn't start by giving you something to do. He starts by just saying, hey, this is who I am. And then he leaves us with a question, do you believe this? Do you believe that? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Which is what we try to confess every single Sunday by coming down to the front for communion. We don't take communion just because it's, it's um, a cool thing to do or a way to transition. It's actually us following in the footsteps of Jesus to the cross, to his broken body and his blood poured out on our behalf. We're coming to him, we're taking a hold of him, and we're saying, we believe that everything you say is true. We believe that you are the way to the Father. We believe that we have life through you. And that's something that we need to do together as a family, to hold in our hands, to, to taste in our mouths, to make it 
through the world to actually find the peace that Jesus is talking about. So if you're a Christian, I want to invite you to communion today. Uh, Will you come and look on Jesus as the way, as the truth, as the life? If you're not a Christian, um, Jesus's words are for you too. Everything that he offers, everything that he promises is true, and you can find life in him. He, He loves you. And he wants you to come back and come home to him. So we're going to have people um, who would love to talk with you and would love to pray uh, for you if you are uh, not a Christian. We also have uh, prayers that are in the back of the pews in front of you if you want help to start talking to God or asking God. If you're here and you feel like you have a troubled heart or you feel like you need uh, peace, we'll have prayer ministers who are uh, over here on the side who would love to pray with and for you. Uh, We also have members and people all throughout this room who would love to uh, pray with and for you. So let me pray for us. After I pray, uh, you can come forward and take communion. The way we do that here is we'll have three stations up front, one in the back. Um, You can tear a piece of the bread off and dip it in either the juice or the wine. The juice is in the glass. The wine is in the stoneware. We also have a gluten-free single-serve station that will be right down here uh, in the middle for anyone who uh, wants to uh, partake in a single-serve that way. So uh, let me pray for us, and then we will worship and take communion. So Jesus, thank you. Uh, Thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for showing us who you are. Thank you for showing us who God is and what he's like. I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would help us to um, see you, that you would help us to believe you, to take hold of you. Uh, And God, I know some of the things that are going on in in people's hearts in the room right now. I don't know everything that's going on. Um, I do know that no matter where we came from, no matter where we are, uh, we need you. Uh, because, like, life can be really confusing, and we feel like Thomas sometimes, where we're like, God, I don't know, Jesus, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what's going on. Um, so in that confusion or in that uncertainty or whatever it is that we're facing, will you please meet us and help us to believe and experience in our hearts and our souls that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come forward when you're ready.